Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're thrilled to have Allie Trussell as our special guest. Allie is Chief of Staff at Wonderkind, one of the fastest-growing SaaS and marketing companies in the United States. With proven experience in people management, town acquisition, and departmental development, Allie is the, at the heart of Wonderkin's extensive internal operations. She's passionate about employee success and has a professional mission to make career pathing the new performance management. Allie is an expert in strategic assistance, PR, and relationship management, having served as right hand to Wonderkin's CEO in the past. Today, she executes some of Wonderkin's most important strategic initiatives and is constantly innovating ways to harness and boost talent across departments. It's so exciting to have you on our podcast today, Allie. We always like to start by asking, what do you do when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Well, hi, y'all. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm so excited to be here with the two of you today. And I have to say, like some of the most phenomenal podcast prep I have yet to receive. So I appreciate you both for that. Um, I would say when I'm looking to expand my thinking, I do a variety of things. Uh, my background's in theater, so I've always been drawn to people, what makes them tick, why people make the decisions that they do. So first and foremost, I consider myself probably my best skill that I'm a collector of really good, really smart humans, and I keep them close. And they are experts in their field. I'm not professionally trained in what I do. I'm very self-taught, and a lot of that has been through phenomenal mentors, people I have met along the way, people I've been lucky enough to work side by side with, and people who have really taught me a lot of the skills that I use in my day-to-day job. But I also love reading. I love podcasts. I'm kind of a nerd. One of my favorite podcasts is Hardcore History, um, which is not directly HR related. But I was I was actually in Croatia this summer. And my boyfriend and I we were trying to get to Italy and our bus got canceled and we ended up, I mean, like my mother like found out after afterwards, she would have killed me if she knew while this was happening. We like find this guy in a white van who's like, oh, oh Italy. Italy. And my boyfriend's like, sure. And I'm like, oh my God, this is how I die. <laughs> um, it was like a five hour drive. So I was like, what are we going to do? And it's a packed van. So I'm sitting in the front with my boyfriend and the guy who's driving the van. And like the stick shift is like between my knees. It's so cramped. And I was like, I, I have to have a distraction. And so we started listening to the hardcore history episode on the fall of the Roman empire. 
And like people haven't changed. That's the fascinating stuff about this. Like I can directly tie it back to HR. It's like somebody was like an egomaniac and an empire fell. And this happened like several times. And it was so fascinating because I see the same mistakes made thousands of years ago that people still make in companies today. Yeah. Allie, I don't even know where to start with okay. your just a simple four minute. I'm like, oh my, oh my God. Okay. First, first we have to start with, you're the first one to shout out on the podcast, how much prep goes in to this podcast. So thank I you. Am? Are you kidding me? Gold oh star. my God. Gold star. Gold star. Shout out to Kelly Gunther for that yes. amazing prep. She makes sure we do white glove service here. Um, so thank you for that. Okay. Number two, I just got to jump ahead, girl. <laughs> You survived the white van. I survived the white van. He was so nice too. It was like this phenomenal. Ellie, that's how it starts. He was nice. And then you got in the white van and we never hear from you again. I know. I know. know. It's like, but it was this beautiful example of humans. Like we were the only ones who spoke English in the van. And that was kind of the only language that everyone else in the van also understood brokenly. So we started being the translators for the van when it was like, everybody get your passports out. Everyone show us your COVID cards. (laughs) That's a whole nother podcast, how I survived a trip (laughs) in a white van, because it is, especially women. I don't know if men know this as much, but especially women, we have a shorthand of like, (laughs) don't get in the, don't get in the white van. My boyfriend's very tall and very large. So I felt some comfort. Yeah, I wouldn't have done it by myself. I wouldn't have done it by myself. No, this is again another thing. Your boyfriend, and this is what I love about. I I will ask my husband this question too. I'm like, um, when you get to the hotel room, do you lock the door right away? He's like, no. I was like, women, women do. Yeah, always. You lock that hotel. He's out like right ponytail when I'm walking. I mean, it's it's tragic. See, like we think like that, and so your boyfriend was like, "Yeah, we get to the white van." You're like, "Whoa!" I've had years of conditioning not to get in the white van. So that just took me down a path, Allie. But I'm going to go back to what you said. I had no. I love it. We go all over the place, but we always come back to the main questions here. Great. Okay, so two things. One, I, I really appreciate you said. I'm a collector of humans and their brains. And so yes. shout out, because I also want to get to history, hardcore history, because I, I, I appreciate what you said there. But Nate, shout out like maybe one of your favorite humans and what you've learned from them and how they've mentored you. Like what, what is one of their lessons that you're like, wow, that lesson has stuck with me for years because of what they said. Oh, wow. This is going to be hard to narrow. I've got to do two. Can I do two? Absolutely. Um, the Absolutely. first one is Julie Bender. She is now the head of communications at Maven. Um, she was formerly the head of communications at Compass. She she came on and helped us build out our core values. That was one of the first big projects that I took on. She taught me everything I know about internal comms. Like this woman is a wizard. Uh, there is nothing you can throw at her that she cannot clarify that she cannot present in the best, most professional way. There's just nothing that rattles this woman. So I was taught this incredible grounded strength that I do not naturally have. I'm very flighty. Uh, My emotions go zero to 15. Um, It's the theater background, but just nothing can rattle her. And so I learned, she really taught me how to kind of be at peace with what I bring to the table. And 
to not lose my authenticity, but to be able to calibrate myself a little differently based on what, you know, what I needed to get done or what people needed from me in the situation. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that was like a good way of sort of harnessing my own power. So she taught me a lot about that. Wow. Your second. And then, oh man, my heart, Joy Sibisma. You should have her on this podcast, honestly. Um, She's a multi-time CPO. She is now the CEO of her own company. She runs her own company. Um, Smartest HR professional I have ever met. Um, oh, other than the two of you, other oh, than nice, two, nice, say, nice, I just haven't nice. known y'all as long, but I can tell by our conversation <laughs> that we are all in the same boat. Um, <laughs> I would I'd be thrilled to introduce all of y'all. Yes, he, she just has this progressive, realistic take on HR um, that I just don't see. I don't commonly see HR that I just love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love her HR because it is so based in curiosity and human behavior. And she is just like this shining example of someone who I don't think has ever had to sacrifice. Like she will not sacrifice her values. Hmm. Um, and she has still gotten so far ahead. Um, she's an incredible, incredible woman. She has taught me. Also, I feel lucky to have had them in that order because Joy has really taught me what I uniquely bring to the table and how to how to do more of that. That is so. Thank you for indulging me on that because we talk about usually we talk about actions at the end. Okay, and and but what I what I adore about what you said is the power of mentors and yes. having mentors in your life, and they are one person can change your life. Oh and sometimes we, we, they really can. And sometimes we, we think, oh no, we got to do more or whatever. And just being there for one person changes the trajectory of their life, changes everything. So I appreciate that you, that you said that. And also those lessons on being authentic and kind of calming your, your brain and calming and, and presenting and presenting differently, which I know Kelly and I can always try to calm our brains. It's hard to do. It's hard. So before we get into the big question, I have to shout out because I might have said this a hundred million times. It feels like Allie is okay. humans don't learn. So you <laughs> every time I read, I watch a movie on history. I watch, I always look at my husband and I say, so pretty much we're doing the same shit, right? I mean, it's the same, totally. like, Boy meets girl. Boy doesn't like girl. <laughs> Boy's mad because girl got stolen. Uh, I want more property. My dad wasn't nice to me. I'm going to lash out at everyone. Like I, I think what I've said is technology. If you look at the time frame, technology has come so far. I mean, it's amazing what technology has done. But in terms of human evolution and like leadership, eh, not as not as advanced as as how much technology. Um. So I appreciate that you said that. So now I'm going to put you on the spot for okay. a question that you're not prepared for. What is one of the things that you look and you go, my God, we really haven't changed on that. And if we could just change that one, that would kind of crack the code. That would maybe propel leaders and, and humans. Like what are one thing that you're really frustrated with that you see all the time that people need to get over that one? What do you think? So I think if I'm directly tying it back, which like next time you guys are in a white van, like, or, or you ladies are in a white van, I highly do recommend the Roman Empire hardcore <laughs> history. You can directly tie it back. They're talking about, I don't know, they all have the same name. So I can't tell you like which one was which. It's, it's like 
eight and a half hours of content. Okay. But, um, they're all like choosing, you know, their new, their new leadership, their new Congress. And instead of choosing people with the correct skill set, or instead of like, you know, introducing some variety, introducing some density of skills, mm. they all just pick their buddies. Or they all oh. pick people that they know will vote for them. It's like a game of Survivor. Yeah. Um, like people in their alliance, people who won't vote them off the island, but they're not bringing people into the fold that sort of like ex- expand their executive team. I sort of think, you know, executive teams would be phenomenal if it was like you listed everybody down the side and then you listed the qualities mm-hmm. that you needed in a, fa- in a phenomenal exec team across the top. And it's like, who's really strong? in what area and where are we holistically weak? Mm. Like where are we under indexed? Let's go find some of that skill. Let's go find some of that quality. We may not know them because humans do tend to like, like, you know, you tend to gravitate towards people who probably lead with a lot of the same skills that you do. Mm-hmm. So you can get sort of these, and I see it all the time in companies you can get really unbalanced teams if you're not looking for a diverse skill set. So back in the day, we have still yep. not learned. Even the Romans are <laughs> still picking their buddies. We're still, I mean, we just really haven't learned. You're right. It is oh. the, we pick the same, we pick friends. We're more concerned sometimes about our own ego instead of getting the work done and what skill set really is necessary on this team. And you're so, if that could change, and I know people are really struggling now and trying to make that change of like, we cannot keep hiring the same exact type or just our buddies, or I know people are struggling and trying to get that done. That does change so many things. And I always think of nature likes diversity. Mm-hmm. Nature, the environment wants diversity. It Absolutely. is the, the, how things grow and live. And if you only have one thing that tends not to do well in nature, hence that's, this is my lesson from eighth grade science with my son, by the <laughs> way. Um, so thank you, Allie. I really appreciate that. And again, I'm so happy you're here with us and Kelly and I will never get in a white van. So thanks, Allie. We <laughs> um, have a lot so of time. Said, what? Next time you have a lot of time to kill. Highly recommend yes, it. That, that's it. That's I it. That's it. Laughing. My boyfriend like was not, he was not getting the same reaction to it that I was, but I was laughing. I was like, I have seen this. I have seen someone put their ego ahead of the good of the entire company and not think there are going to be any repercussions. Exactly. That is, uh, we have plenty of examples that we could do. We could probably have a 15 hour podcast just on that alley. The three of us could talk about that. Oh, yeah. So, but we will now go to the main question that we love to ask awesome. is what is the decision that you made or maybe was made for you mm-hmm. that changed the uh, trajectory of your life? And what are some of those charge qualities that you use during that time to help you either make decision or recover from, from said decision? Okay. I love this question. Um, I'm so glad that y'all anchor the podcast around this. And I was really thinking through this one. Um, just as a bit of background, I, I feel like my life has been a series of, I have this gut feeling that I need to do something and I sit on it for like 30 minutes and then I go do it. And so like there is, there is some impulsiveness in that. And I do think it is that I I tell my therapist all the time that I live my life. You know, I, I went to therapy because I was living my life between like 
a negative five and a 15 on a scale of most people's one to 10. And I was like, it just doesn't feel healthy anymore to be so high and so low. And I I need to learn how to, like, if I could exist between a three and a nine most times, great. Um, Also highly recommend therapy for anyone who is considering it. Um, (laughs) Better people all around. Um, So Growing up, I was like classic overachiever, um, did everything in high school. But the thing I really fell in love with was was theater and um, was always a really good student. I always loved school. I've always been a naturally curious person. And I do think that's what drove me to theater. I was never trying to be famous. I just always felt that I best understood humans actually trying to be them, if that makes any sense. And that's what I loved about it. But I never never thought – and it's also crazy to me that we expect – kids at 17 to know what they want to do with their life. Um, And we're like, go to college and pick a major. Most 17 year olds become very different versions of themselves many different times in like the next 10, 15, 50 years. Um, And so I just didn't put any, it it never occurred to me that I was like going to have to pick something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I remember I was like, I was in student council and it was like a football game. It was Texas. So football games were everything. Um, And I just remember just like telling my mom, like, I'm going to go do theater in college. And like, God bless my parents. Um, They didn't tell me no. Um, She was like, okay. (laughs) You know, my dad's sitting here banking on me going to law school. Um, And they're like, okay, you can, you can go, you can go play dress up. Um, And so I went and did theater, loved it. Um, Haven't taken a math class since I was 15. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I came to New York and I had this series of odd jobs. I was a nanny. I was a cocktail waitress. I was a tutor. I, you know, also worked as a personal assistant. And I worked for this company, which shall remain nameless. It's not on my LinkedIn, so I'm not going to blow up anybody's spot. But they matched you with, you know, Gossip Girls, Manhattan Elite. Um, They matched you with people who had enough money to outsource their lives. And so I had a wide range of very hilarious clients um, and very eccentric personalities, one of whom it was a really tragic situation. And I could tell after being there for like a year and a half, I was like, this is, I'm like concerned about, you know, the kids in this equation, like something just isn't sitting right with me. And I remember like telling my boss at the time and she just didn't listen. And I just, I just quit. I just quit Mm -hmm. on the spot. Um, Which is, unlike me. Um, I am impulsive, but I do like to, you know, know I'm at least getting a paycheck, particularly in New York. Yeah, Moving to New York was already a risk. My entire family is in Texas. I'm the only one who's not there. And I came out here with no job. Um, and I just quit on the spot. And because I just knew it wasn't right. I was like, my, this doesn't feel good. I feel like I'm like exacerbating something that's already a bad situation. I don't, I don't feel good when I can't help. A situation. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really, you know, not that it was about me, but it was really kind of crushing who I was as a person. And mm-hmm. so I went to one of my clients who is, is Ryan Urban, told him I was quitting. And he was like, it's okay. We're going to, we'll, we'll work together eventually. And he like brought me on to his company. I like, I was kicking and screaming the whole time. I was like, Ryan, I never want to have a nine to five job and I never want to sit at a desk. And he goes, well, Allie, it's not going to be nine to five and you don't have to sit at a desk. Um, he was right on both accounts, but I was, I really was expecting to go in to like total, like Silicon Valley. Like I was expecting it just to be tech bro central, like 
hoodies and headphones and <laughs> everyone is going to have a, the personality of like a goldfish. Um, <laughs> and, and I was wrong. Um, you know, I, I was really wrong. Um, the reason I have stayed and the reason that I love what I do is because I don't get that feeling. Like I don't, I get to help and, you know, I feel like I'm valued for doing what I do best and that's celebrated here. And I think that's rare. And I also think that's why I have, you know, we, you know, during COVID we had a lot of changeover and I quite literally just volunteered to take on the people team. I was like, I think I can do it. I just raised my hand in like an exec meeting. (laughs) They're like, okay. (laughs) So it's been a series of decisions like that. But I think, I think the one that really did change the trajectory of my life and I do, I do miss performing and I hope someday to go back to it. But that decision that changed it was like leaving that one job Mm. that I knew was going to crush me Mm. emotionally if I stayed there too long. Yeah. What, um, how hard was it to make that decision to leave? Or like you said, it just, you were like, as soon as the manager, as soon as your boss didn't care, you're like, I'm out. Or like, did you think you said you're kind of impulsive, but you still think through things, especially for a paycheck. I get that for sure. Mm-hmm. Like how hard was it? And how hard was it to, after you made the decision, did you feel regret or <laughs> joy or what kind of take us through that? So I don't, like in the moment when I said, okay, cool, then I quit. Cause I think that was my brilliant mic drop line. Um, mm. You know, I have visions of like walking out of there in like big sunglasses and like swagger. <laughs> um, that certainly didn't happen. I was like in gym shorts and a backpack. Um, I think, I think I knew that that was going to be the response that I was going to get going in there. Mm. And so I think the decision to go in and talk to the woman who ran the company was the, was the hard part because Mm -hmm. I think subconsciously I already knew what was going to happen. So I think I decided I was quitting before I even went in there Mm -hmm. and didn't realize it until after. And then, you know, when we talk about that negative three to 15 scale, emotions on both sides of those. I was like, yes, I'm so cool. I'm so proud of myself. I can do anything. I can conquer the world. Followed immediately by me calling my mom, sobbing, being I have like $30 in my checking account and I just quit my job and I don't know what to do. So really I had all of them. (laughs) What was it always, because that was a very you didn't want to violate your values. And you mentioned too the the HR person who you uh, really appreciate that she also doesn't violate her values. Mm-hmm. Have you always been that type when you were even a kid? You're like, no, nah, this is my strong core. Did you always feel like you had this strong core and you kind of knew when things were violated, you're like, Mm-mm, not, not going to be around here? I think so. Um, I don't know if I've ever thought about it. It's a great question. I think so. I think, you know, I I do think it's impossible to go through life and never feel like your values are being violated or that Mm -hmm. you're not making a decision because you have to make a decision that in a perfect world wouldn't have to happen. I think, um, honestly, I, I, I can tie a lot back to theater. I'm very thankful for my background, but I think I do a lot of, you know, right. You know, running a big company, you have to make hard decisions. And I think in those hard decisions, you have to make sure 
that it's really for the right reasons um, and be thoughtful about them and be sensitive in communication of sometimes hard decisions. And if you can find the root of what's good for people or what's necessary for people in those hard decisions, it's much easier to not violate your values, but it just takes a little bit longer to make sure that you're doing something methodical. So I think it's always making sure that you're not just doing something for the hell of it. Um, But yeah, I think I I was always a strong willed kid. Um, (laughs) I also was one of those kids who just hung out with adults, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) I could talk when I was really, really young. I could talk in full sentences by the time I was one. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I think my parents thought I was a party trick and they'd be like, look at her. And I could like interface with the adults. I felt like I probably was like a little wind up doll. I also had a super deep voice. I think I was like subconsciously imitating my dad because I thought he was super funny. Um, so I think I could talk, but I was trying to sound like my dad. Mm. <laughs> I'm just picturing one year old Allie walking around with a deep voice and like as the party trick, pouring drinks for people. That's what, we did back in the day too. that's what we did back in the day. I really, um, I told my mom, they like really missed their chance to be like super rich by not like popping me in commercials at one. I feel like I would have gone viral. Yeah. Yeah, but that we could have had a very different podcast. That, really uh, different podcast. You're yeah. like, I was a child star <laughs> by 10. By 10. <laughs> what um, you, I, I wanted to go back to when you're talking about decision making, because, yeah. you know, we, we asked the question of kind of what advice do you have? And I'm going to ask that in a second. But the advice that you already gave on that decision making was so beautiful. And I just want to highlight that because that what are you making the decision for? Mm-hmm. Are you doing it for your ego? Taking that extra time to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, that you're doing it in alignment with your values and how does it impact people? And so often people don't take that time to make those types of decisions. Um, and so I really appreciate what you what you said. What other advice do you have for people when they're going through either I, I need to quit, mm-hmm. I need to change my life. Like what are some of the things you've learned and, and you'd like others to know? Well, I think it really comes down to self-awareness and mm-hmm. um, I appreciate you, you calling that nugget out because actually the reason that I think I'm so adamant that decisions get thought through is because I'm not naturally good at that. And I know that about myself. Like I I just told you a career history that was made on impulsive decisions. (laughs) So I understand that like my strength, but also my shortcoming is that I will act first, think second. Mm. And so that was fine when I was an individual contributor and it made me great at my job because I would be like decision, bam, move, execution, Mm -hmm. done. And the second you flip to being responsible for other humans and their livelihood, you can't do that. You're not a good leader if you're doing that. And so something that had always been a strength of mine, I was thrown into this position of realizing that it was actually something that could not only hinder me, but could hinder people that I cared about. And so I have to actively slow myself down and make sure that I am being thoughtful and make sure that I'm doing the right thing. And so I think it's really my best advice. And I think you can apply this to any situation in your life, whether you're thinking about making a massive life change is 
what are your strengths? Are they serving you in this decision? Or are you making this decision because some external circumstance is like freaking you out and you feel off balance and you're doing it in response to something? I've seen a lot of this in COVID um, mm. where it's like, you know, you said at the top of the podcast that humans are so averse to change and that's true, but we're also super adaptable. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that in the pandemic, but there's also been this worldwide loss of control. And I actually, my like hot theory that maybe, maybe y'all can contest, but my hot take is that that's actually part of the driver of this like massive quote unquote war on talent and like everybody changing jobs and the job market being so hot. It's because at least from my vantage point, your employment at the beginning of the pandemic was something you were just, if you were lucky enough to have it, you just hung on for dear life and you stayed. But as the pandemic wore on and you were still feeling this loss of control in so many other areas, it then flipped to being the one thing that you could control. Mm-hmm. And one thing that like could introduce some variety in a year and a half that had been really bleak and really dark and had left you with the fabulous option of like, you know, jetting off to France. Um, it became like, I think people are kind of looking for a spark. And so it's why it's so important for companies to be able to give that to people while they're still here. Mm-hmm. I, you, you mentioned the, the strengths and knowing your strengths and having that self-awareness and and making that decision from a place of not being reactive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such excellent advice. So not only we we talk a lot on this podcast about being self-aware and understanding yourself. And like you said, you're like, Hey, I'm not the best at decision-making. So I put a lot of kind of processes in to, Mm -hmm. to help myself. But I think that how do you make that decision from the proactive, not even proactive, but just not the reactive. So how do you mm-hmm. calm yourself down, which is so hard to do in these hot moments. I listened to yeah. a podcast and they were talking about hot and cold decision-making, meaning <laughs> right now we're cold, right? We're not a hot emotional state. So if right. you said, Allie, would you ever do this? And you're like, well, no, I would never do that because we're in a cold state right now. Right. And if you asked me or Kelly, we would go, no, but in a hot state, where our emotions are hot, guess what? All that cold state goes behind. No, we don't think about it. And we make that decision in the hot state. And so what was interesting with this podcast was talking about is the way they train then like Navy SEALs Mm -hmm. or people who are always going to be in a hot state when they have to make decisions because lives are on the line or they're getting shot at is they put them in hot states all the time. So you have to get so used to it to make that decision, which I found fascinating. So I'm not advocating everyone be in a hot state all the time, but how do you, like you said, not be reactive, kind of remove yourself, try to make it not a hot state, make it a colder state. So then you can make a, a better decision on it. So I, I very much thank you for sharing your insights on decision making, because I think it's so important yeah. and humans don't like not having control. They don't. COVID, to your point, COVID has upended everyone's control. No one, also humans don't like being told what to do. So we've all told (laughs) people what to do by staying inside and doing this. And so the fact that there are people lashing out, whatever that looks like, I'm Mm -hmm. losing, not taking this job. I'm not going to work. I mean, it's not a surprise because this is quite a human experiment of 18, 24 months inside being told what to do on a global scale. So, but that's a very interesting point on, I can control my career. 
And if I can't control anything else right now, I'm going to control something. And that's my employment. And I'm not going to put up with this crap anymore. And also, if we have leaders who aren't very good, uh, yeah, we'll see those leaders come out for sure. So I really just is so insightful, Allie, and so much fun to talk to you. And I think Kelly, what are some of your thoughts and, and ideas on what Allie has shared with us? I love Allie, what you talked about with regards to the COVID piece, because it is about being able, COVID did give everyone the opportunity to step and think about whether it was by choice or not, what do I want to do? with this time I have, I want to reinvent my career. I want to go back to school. I want to, um, take up something completely different. I want to retire. I want to, um, volunteer my time. It really did give people that chance to take a deep breath because in the world we live in, everything is happening so fast, social media, um, news, everything's happening so fast that for people to just get that time to just step and think it probably made them very uncomfortable in some cases enough to make a decision to, to make a, cho- a, a change in their life. Oh, you're so right. And I think, you know, the interesting thing about this, and I think the piece that's exciting to me is the fact that people are now thinking this way about their employment is going to drive so much innovation mm-hmm. in the people in HR space. I'm excited. I'm I am excited that the bar has been raised. The standards have been raised. Um, and that first and foremost, companies are going to have to invest in their people. That is the foundation exactly. of any company. So I actually, you know, not that it doesn't mean my talent team is super stressed out and they're phenomenal. Um, they're absolute rock stars. But I think it's ultimately a good thing for like the future of work. I think it's cool. I'm excited. That's why I'm in the space right now. Mm-hmm. And to be in the precipice of something where you can say you're helping change people's lives and give them meaningful work and give them a reason to feel valued. I mean, that idea of being valued is so critical, so important. I think it's almost on on almost every employee engagement survey you'll ever find is, you know, (laughs) do you feel valued? And yet so so many times there's people have literally said, no, I don't. And not much has been done. And so now, mm -hmm. well, and there's, it's honestly, so we actually, part of our employee strategy, strategy, and one of the things that I worked on with Joy this year is we've actually introduced, we've brought on in-house coaches for everyone because what I realized was, A, our managers are strapped. We are a fast-growing tech Mm -hmm. company in all the senses of the words and all the stereotypes there as far as like fast, 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 more, 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 Um, excitement, 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 rosé on tap. Um, (laughs) But but I realized that like, it was kind of crazy that we were expecting managers to be able to sit down for hours and hours and talk about what people want next out of their career when they don't ever get to like think about their own and they're, they have to deal with all the day to day. And it's been so phenomenal to see the response to this because I also am a firm believer that sometimes you just need somebody objective to talk to. And it's not, we're not offering therapy (laughs) in work. But it is so good. You talk. I talk about making impulsive decisions and how you make decisions in a hot zone or a cold zone, like you were saying. Having a coach to talk to helps you with that and can really keep you, when you have control over it, keep you from making a decision in a hot zone. Um, but it's also, we need to make sure that we're developing people 
that the way that they want to be developed, because I'm also a firm believer that you do the best in your job when you're really passionate about what you're doing. And, you know, straight out of college, you don't always get plugged into the right place. You get plugged into like the sensible place. And if you're really doing a good job as a company, I think you start to see what's special about everyone and what's unique about everyone. And I'm a big fan of doubling down on that. Um, And so this really allows us this different vantage point to really see into what everyone's biggest strength is and are they using that mm-hmm. um, and can they grow that and what do they want to do? So it's, it's been really, really successful. We're going to expand it even more next year. What an incredible opportunity for, for your employees, for your team to take advantage of a service that, I mean, usually maybe an executive would get some mm-hmm. coaching, um, but that you're offering it to employees, you know, at large is amazing. It's just, it's, it gives them, again, it's just, it's a stronger hook to your organization, Mm -hmm. stronger hook to you, Allie, as a leader. And, you know, with the profits that companies are making, it's a small, it's a small price to pay for a culture that shows how much you care about employees and have empathy and realize that not every day is going to be easy. You'll have days where some are better Mm -hmm. than others. And there's outside forces that control a lot of how we act anyway. So I love that you're making that investment and empowering people the way that you are empowered when you decided to leave, not having a future prospect of work um, in your in your career. Just such an amazing story. Thank you. This has been so fun talking to y'all. I um, mean, and yeah, I didn't call out my charged qualities in um, in my story, but I definitely think probably courage and resiliency were at the top there, and those are two that I often hearken back to. When I need well, to. I would even say accuracy because you really <laughs> got to understand brute cause. You like you really have a good problem solving streak in you, Allie, of really thinking deeper about the issue. Where is it coming from? Um, how do we? How do I appreciate it so that I know that whatever decision we're making is for the right reason? Because, like you said, you know that about yourself, so you've surrounded yourself likely with people mm-hmm. um, and tools to help you make decisions and ensure that it's for the right reasons. And that takes a tremendous amount of time in some cases. It doesn't always reveal itself so quickly, um, but it does also take that um, that curiosity that you have to see it through and know that I want to, this decision to be for the right reasons, even if it has to be a tough one. I want to be able to be honest about it, about why it was tough. Wow, y'all are making me feel so wonderful. Do I need to pay you for being on this podcast? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, again, the power of women in leadership, I have to say. It's, it's just, right? It's just, it's amazing. So this is why we created a podcast. This podcast was to tell stories like yours, Ellie. So moving, so empowering, so beautiful. Um, and I definitely recommend that anyone who's listening to this podcast reach out to Allie. Check out the show notes for all of her good contact information. Allie, thank you so much. We went from white van, where we didn't know what was going to happen to you, to yay, women leaders. I mean, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you all so much. This is the highlight of my day. As, was, as it was ours as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life.
We can't wait to hear from you.